This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Kalo, makers of the silicone wedding ring. The Kalo silicone ring is the functional wedding ring for an active lifestyle. Kalo is proud to partner with No Meat Athlete and with every one of you who is pursuing your commitment to both your partner and your active lifestyle. In all your training and anywhere else your lifestyle takes you, Kalo makes it possible for you to never go without your wedding ring again. Welcome to episode 77 of No Meat Athlete Radio. I'm Matt Frazier, joined by Doug Hay. Doug, do you have a story for us today to start us off? <laughs> you know I do. I got a You're new, on a roll. I got a new favorite thing. Oh, good. Yeah. it's um, So for our wedding, which was about two years ago, we got this pitcher, like a water pitcher, that has a built-in canister for infusing things. Right? Okay. And uh, we never used it. We never... I mean, we used it... Why maybe, would you? Right. Right. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we had registered for it, you know, <laughs> okay. but it was kind of just one of those things that... We thought it was a good idea and never use it. But the last three or four weeks, we have been infusing water with lemon and mint and all kinds of goodies. And it has been awesome. It's like, <laughs> I, I just, all I want to do is drink this infused water. It's really great. I don't know what to say about that. That's great. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my dad's been talking about lemon water recently. And he, he puts a little slice of lemon in his water pitchers or a whole bunch of slices. And they just have this thing in their fridge. Yeah. Okay. It's good. good. It's great. You should do it. It's a you good should tip. Infuse your water. I feel like so we used to buy sometimes um, like sparkling water, and mm-hmm. flavored sparkling water, and now I don't feel like I need to do that anymore. If I want some flavored beverage, I just pull out my pitcher of infused water. There you go. That's that probably is the best way to do a flavored beverage. Yeah. Speaking of that, when we went out for beer that one day, remember we said on the podcast we were going to get a beer? Yeah. We had uh, infused beer then. They we infused, did. It was still different. They ran the beer through this water filter looking thing mm-hmm. that was filled with mango and... Was it kef- lemon balm? Kefir lime leaves or something. Lime, K-E-F-F-I-R. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, it was delicious. It was lime. What, so we actually just bought a bunch of herbs for our herb garden, and one of them is lime something. I don't know. Can't okay. help you. I don't know. Okay. But we just infused some water with that. I haven't tried it yet. Put it in this morning. Nice. To, okay. I have to tell you how it is. You will have to. Next episode, you'll have to report back on that. Report back We've on We've got a lot of... Okay. A lot of good Doug stories and follow-ups with yeah. the Athlete Radio these days. Okay. So today, we are talking about a topic, Doug, that was actually your idea. Running hacks. You wrote a blog post about this a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a handful that I I consider hacks, and I think let's clarify what a, a hack is for because not everyone knows what hacks are. Right, it's not necessarily the derogatory term of like someone who is a hack, like who's not <laughs> who's just like a faker, or sort of not really good at something. Um, it's it's you know in common internet parlance, I think it means a time saver generally or an effort saver, right? right. A shortcut, a shortcut, yeah. Um, a cheat. Yeah, and more like a, a big shortcut. Like you, like you get one of these, you figure out a hack or something, you start using a hack, and you can save tons of time, tons of effort um, with no no side effects. So, Like we, we came up with a hack for having two episodes a week. <laughs> the hack is just to do one episode a week and tell people we're going to do three. <laughs> right. Yes, like that. This is our second episode of the week, even though it's 
Monday. So that's confusing. It's it's uh, let's let's just not even go into that. <laughs> so anyway, um, you know, Rich Roll. We talked to Rich Roll recently. You probably heard that podcast episode where, um, we sort of frowned upon hacking there. Right, the idea was mm-hmm. quit hacking your lifestyle, your life, and I think Rich says. Uh, commit to the journey or or do you know exactly what he says it's a it's a, he had a tweet that got retweeted a bunch of times right puts it in his talks and stuff now but basically ex- experience you know quit quit trying to take the shortcuts and actually experience what life yeah right exactly so like in terms of running which is what we're going to talk about running hacks he would say quit trying to figure out these secrets that will make running easy and just accept that it's not easy and you're you're doing this difficult thing like training for a marathon or an ultra or whatever it is you're doing that for a reason and a lot of that reason is the journey and what what the difficulty makes of you so i think we should preface this by saying that all of none, none of these are um you know that that type of commitment to the journey and finding hacks doesn't have to be mutually exclusive with one another right you can you can be committed to a journey and also look for the shortcuts, the things that are going to actually save you time uh, without without making it, without taking away from, from the struggles of running. And, and of course, just, just doing what a smart person would, making it as easy as you can uh, or being as effective as you can at what you're doing. So we should just, I don't know, just distinguish it. I, I'm not saying become a, just look for running hacks and stop actually trying to train and stop <laughs> doing hard stuff. Right. Uh, but but if, you're all, if you're into that already, I think, you know, maybe you'll find some of these useful. Yeah. So anyway, they're not all from your blog posts. A few of yours will be. Um, mine are kind of my own, which I ha- I've never revealed before. So Ooh. here we go. Matt's running hacks revealed. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> all right. So um, let's see. Let's. Okay. So three of the ones that I realize I do all come from Mike Arnstein. And I think these are actually really <laughs> good examples of running hacks. So let's just get these out of the way first. Um, they all. I've learned about all these from his his ultra running talks that he did from the Woodstock Fruit Festival. If you go to YouTube and type in Michael Arnstein Woodstock Fruit Festival ultra running talks, you'll find all these. Um, and they're good. So his first one is buy women's running shoes. Really? <laughs> yeah. He says, I guess because if you have a man-sized foot, I could be wrong with this, that he, that he had he always because well, he goes through tons and tons of shoes when he when he was training peak miles because he would do 30 miles a day so he would go for whatever reason the women's shoes were not popular sellers that he wanted so for some reason they were much cheaper the sizes he wanted if he would go with a man's foot to buy women's running shoes um which i don't quite understand because it seems to me that you would that if the shoes if no one's buying this size of shoes it would actually be more expensive to get them but he said certain shoes the women's versions are identical to the men's, so if you just you're just wearing a women's shoe and it's called a different size, but it's way cheaper. So that he said, I totally believe him. I just don't know how quite how it works, but he saved a bunch of money that way. Huh. Um, another good one from him is one that we talked about in our heat training episode, which is that of dumping your salt tablets into your water or whatever your drink is, rather than having them bypass your tongue, which is a really nicely designed feedback system telling you if your body wants more salt or not um this way at least you're sensing any bit of salt that you're taking in which i think is a really smart thing to do uh and his last one is one that i also used during my 100 miler you probably did something similar um that is to get one of those hydration packs those big vests that you wear on your back mine's made by nathan i think the one he recommended is too and you fill that with food you take the bladder out of it just use it to carry your food uh and then your water is just carried in a water bottle so if you're going out for a long run 
and you're a person like me who likes to bring fruits or big stuff with you that's not gels and doesn't fit so easily in your pocket, uh, you can do that as long as you've got a place to fill up your water bottle somewhere along your route, and then you just have a handheld bottle. So I love that. made it way easier for me to bring all my stuff, and uh, I think I think it could be useful not just for ultra runners but for anyone. Yeah. So those are examples of what hacks are, right? They're little tricks you may not have thought of um, that, that will can can kind of make a big difference in in your training or in something else yeah no, those are those are all good ones i uh i'd never heard the woman's shoe one and yeah I, we'll have to go back and hear exactly what he was saying yeah should have done that before the episode <laughs> I, I just always assumed that women's shoes were cut differently than like i think that for a lot of brands i think they are but, but for some they are you know yeah. i'm sure he thought of that well i got some that are have to do with running finding time to run basically and you know it seems like everybody's biggest complaint when they're getting in the habit of running is not having the time to do it or life just gets in the way or they get too tired when they get home from work and um you know they just don't feel like they have the opportunity to run and they don't want to run after a big long day so my hacks when it comes to time are to it's pretty simple it's not really a hack but just a great suggestion of way to cheat the system and that's to actually run before you do anything else make sure that you run before life gets in the way because life is always going to get in the way. So if you can wake up an hour earlier and go on that run before you get in the shower, before you go to work, before you want to go to happy hour, then that mm-hmm. is, is a good way to get the run in early. And then another one kind of in that same vein is that if you don't have the time to go for a big run, you know, if you don't have 45 minutes to go for a run, uh, take advantage of the time that you do have. Even if you only have 20 minutes, instead of going for a 45-minute longer run, use that 20 minutes and do hill repeats or do fart licks or do something that's going to be more bang for your buck. So if life has gotten in the way and you don't get home until 8 o'clock and you don't want to run till 9 o'clock, then just take that 20 minutes, still go for that run, and just make sure that you're using that time effectively to get the most you know, out of your run. I like that one. I think... Uh... I think it's a stretch to call that a hack, but I think <laughs> because it's just it's a good strategy. Um, but yeah. I think it's really good because I think you can. I've done this a few times recently. You go out for like a twenty minute speed workout. It just takes so little time compared to right. a fifty minute or an hour long run, and it's just amazing that you can fit that into an evening and still do every single other thing and be there for dinner and mm-hmm. whatever else you do. And you can feel really good during it. You can you can feel like you're really energized at the end of that. Because it was only 20 minutes. It wasn't this huge draining speed workout that takes 45 minutes. But you can you can get, I don't know, three or four three-minute speed intervals in. Right. And, uh, and it can be a different kind of workout. Like if you're training for your fastest mile, like you mentioned last, last week. So you, yeah, could, one could, right. you, know, you, could, you could say, I'm going to do that a couple days a week, just start working on my mile time. And I'm just going to do short workouts for those. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, I like that. Change it up. What's the quote about hill work is... Speed work in the skies. Hills are speed right? work in the skies. Hills are speed yeah. work in the skies. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know where I'm going with that, but <laughs> but I, you know, for me, I think if I only have a short amount of time, the one thing I'll do is just do hill repeats, even if it's only for 15 minutes. It just it works your mechanics so well and builds strength in in all the right places. Um, and hills are just probably the best, in my opinion, the best. Uh, work out if you only have a little bit of time to do yeah, it. Yeah, I like hills too. Around here, it's it's great. I mean, that's that's what we do all the time. Uh, but that I would say, like, if you're if you're stuck as a runner and you're just you're doing the same, 
I don't know, 45-minute easy run every single day, a great way to change it up is to start putting in some 25-minute speed days two days a week. Mm-hmm. Right? And suddenly those days are, are way different. They're way more fun because they're, they're just totally different from what you're doing. And you actually save time. So love that idea. Um, one thing, Doug, about the early morning thing. You asked me a long time ago why focus on a morning routine because we talked we had an episode about right. morning routine you mm-hmm. said why focus so much on the morning routine and the reasoning was exactly what you just said that if if that's your the things that you do first are the things you're most likely to do because once the day kind of happens you have no idea what's going to come up and things just get out of your control but for that first bit you are in control like that's that's before too much has come in and interfered or gone not according to plan because there hasn't been time for anything to happen not according to plan. So you get up, you do your thing first thing, and that's that's the way to get something in if you if you are committed to doing so. Right, right. And I, I recently told that to somebody um, that I'm coaching who who always never seems to have enough time to get in her workout, and and she has kids and wakes up like crazy early anyway, and she's like she want me to wake up at three o'clock in the morning to go for a run, and you know of course not. You know that, there comes a point when when you can't do that, but. Um, if you can, if you're like me or like most people who, if you just took the time to wake up a little bit earlier, then you can get that run in, you can get it that, you know, whatever it is, whatever ha- habit you're trying to form, whether it's reading or writing or arithmetic, mm-hmm. you know, you can get those things in, um, before you, you, before the day gets in the way. There you go. What else you got? So I've got one that you put in your blog post, but that you stole from me with credit, of course. <laughs> uh, and that was one that I learned when I was doing the 50 days. I guess it was ended up being 75 days or so of, of a running streak. But after I got to 50, I wrote a blog post about it. And I mentioned, I think I mentioned that one, if not somewhere else, that uh, I only had two or three pairs of running shorts. So it became a problem to get my clothes washed in time. And uh, I was also in sort of a minimalist phase at that point, just trying to like if I would go traveling somewhere, I would only bring one pair of running shorts and found out that you could just, if you just soak the shorts in water for a few minutes after your run is done, then they become wearable a second, possibly even a third or fourth time <laughs> if you want them to. And they do gradually start to smell worse and worse, uh-huh. but they don't have that horrifyingly bad running short smell the second time you wear them or even the third time. If you just take them in the shower with you after your run uh, if you're not taking a shower after your run, which sometimes I am a fan of recently, come home, don't take a shower, and still be all sweaty when you go to bed. Um, <laughs> yeah, why are you a fan of that? <laughs> because I don't like taking showers. I don't like wasting time doing that at the end uh, of the night. Once you have kids, you'll understand. Uh, I love showers. But, yeah, I don't know. So, I try to, I try I... to minimize showers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can just you can just soak them in, in the sink in the bathroom. That works just well. Let them soak. Then I realized like we're brushing our teeth in that sink and all that, so I haven't really pointed that out to my wife yet. <laughs> yeah. But I, maybe she's noticed that. I mean, she knows I soaked them in there. I don't know if she has put it together that then we then we use that sink for personal hygiene. <laughs> but anyway, it works. They don't smell. She appreciates that. So do I. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good one. You've got another clothing one, right? Well, I just want to mention a little bit more about that one. I have come to really appreciate that hack when I'm traveling. So mm-hmm. then you only have to... I'm about to go away for two weeks and I'm probably only going to bring one running short and run shirt, mm-hmm. you know, and then you can just wash it at the hotel room and hang it up or, you know, whatever. Right. just much easier when you're traveling than trying to bring three or four pairs of running clothes. We should actually clarify this. This is assuming you you have technical stuff, like, like stuff that is meant to dry out quickly. So it actually works to just hang your shorts to dry and they're dry in a few hours. Same with 
a shirt, you can do the exact same thing with a running shirt. Uh, would not work quite so well with a cotton shirt or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, nor would I want to put on wet running shorts before I start a run. I'd be concerned about chafing and things like that. Happening. Right. Yeah. Unless you're going to, you know, double up on the lube and all that. <laughs> yeah. I get, yeah, I got another clothing one. And that's if you're really struggling to get up and get going in the morning. So if you've decided to do that morning run and uh, that's the only time you have to, to go out on your run, a lot of people struggle to get out of bed um, and actually do it because laying in bed is oftentimes way more pleasurable than going for a run, right? So take away all the obstacles that will prevent you from from getting up in the morning and one of those big ones is to actually get all your stuff ready have it laid out right next to the bed or i think i've even heard you mention sleeping in in your running right. clothes uh, the night before so you actually all you have to do is roll out of bed you have your clothes on put on your shoes maybe have some water or whatever you need and um and then go on your run but if you can remove all those obstacles and get your stuff ready and just have it out and ready for you to go then that's a great way to yep avoid you know the in you know, the dreaded morning routine yeah and i think it sounds like not a, a huge deal to have your running clothes already on and not have to take the five seconds to put them on but it really does i mean just like you said the more of those little obstacles that you can get rid of the easier it is to get up uh so you know have your shoes there because you're not going to sleep in those obviously have them ready if you bring a water bottle have that ready like have every possible thing ready especially if you've got kids to get out the door as silently as possible as well because if you leave mm. and you wake your your spouse up or the, you wake the kids up who then wake your spouse up not not a nice scene to return home from your run to. <laughs> um so yeah good point there i forgot to mention about the shower one uh that was by far got the biggest reaction oh, from yeah? this post yeah i was just looking i thought that there were comments at the bottom about it but it, on twitter it got so many comments <laughs> why people think it's gross people, yeah people were like oh i would never do that that's so gross and... oh they're gross i think then <laughs> so weird all right i've got a couple more clothing ones uh actually both of which we sort of talked about in our heat episode uh number one is that you can cool your whole body down both these have to do with heat you can cool your trick your brain into thinking that you are cooler than you are if you apply cold stuff to your head so this is a hack in every sense of the word you Mm -hmm. this is a biohack essentially you're you're tricking your body um which like a lot of biohacking is potentially dangerous so i don't know that i would actually recommend this but if you're if you're into that sort of thing if you have a good reason to believe you can do it safely um you can you can you see ultra runners and other people putting ice in their hat to cool their head down which doesn't significantly change their body temperature but it does prevent the brain from shutting the body down when it thinks you've gotten too hot so i think it's pretty clear why that's not necessarily the safest thing in the world Mm -hmm. Uh, because if the brain should be shutting the body down maybe you don't want to trick it uh but it does let you run longer in the heat uh a more legitimate way to cool yourself in the heat and this is a hack too because not a lot of people do this is to wear a cotton shirt instead of a moisture wick shirt ideally you'd be running with no shirt at all because you could sweat cools you um moisture wicking that takes the takes the moisture away from your body is kind of defeating the purpose or defeating the this mechanism that's built into your body and if instead you, you go out with a cotton shirt, it's going to be the same issue at first. But but if it's a really hot day and you sweat a lot and that shirt gets saturated and it's sticking to your body, then I believe you will feel the cooling from that more than you will with a wicking shirt. Hmm. So there's there's another one. Cool. All right. So that's uh, that's all the clothing one I believe we have, right? Yeah. That's all I got. I got some shoe ones. Do you have any shoe ones? Give me some shoe. I have, I have no shoe ones. I've got some food ones next and then uh, two other 
sort of random ones. Yeah. So my shoe ones uh, are, well, the first one has to do with saving money. So it's kind of a, similar to the woman's shoes. But almost every shoe company puts out a redo of the model from the previous year, right? So mm-hmm. they upgrade it. Maybe they get some, it's a little lighter or a little tougher material or whatever it is. But then those old shoes immediately go on sale significantly. And when it when it first comes out, then usually there's plenty of those shoes in those sizes. So right now, if you were to get a really old shoe two years ago or something like that, you probably couldn't find it unless it was size 15 or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Mm-hmm. But immediately when a new shoe comes out, if you go on Amazon or Zappos or to your local running store, chances are they're going to have those old shoes significantly reduced. So... What I like to do is buy a bunch of my favorite shoes during that time. I'll go ahead and buy three pairs of those shoes because I know I'll use them. And yeah, the newer version might be a little bit better, but I already know that I like this older version. I've worn it. My foot is comfortable in it. So I'll go ahead and buy a couple of those while when they're 40% off or whatever they are and go ahead and stock up. And then I have shoes for you know a long time. Yeah, I like that. I think all people get pissed when their running shoe gets gets taken away when this yeah, band up. Do. So mm-hmm. if you've got a shoe you like and you find the other, you know, don't just get angry that they're making a new model. Just go and hoard the old ones and <laughs> stockpile them and wear them for a long time and they'll be cheap. Um, this That's reminded me of something that I did that I had not even considered. But when I bought my most recent pair of Brooks Pure Drift shoes, I got it, I think it was a Roadrunner Sports. It was in San Diego with my brother-in-law. And after a run, we went to this running store I don't know for sure that it was Roadrunner, but it was some running store that I don't, nor- don't normally go to. <clears throat> and they had like a section in the back of the store, this outdoor section, that was like racks and racks of, of running shoes, like way bigger than the selection in any normal running store, probably five times that amount of shoes on these racks. And they were all like 50% off because they were used. They were the shoes that people had worn one or two times and then decided they didn't like and then brought back to the store. Hmm. So they're exactly the same. Just like when you drive a used car off the, a car off the lot, you know, it becomes used and loses all its value. These shoes suddenly aren't that I guess because these people, the jerks on Twitter who won't, who won't shower in their running shorts, won't also wear somebody's shoes if they've worn them once or twice. But they were like half price. So I got this pair of pure drifts, which I was having trouble finding. Uh, I think they were like, I don't know, $45 or something. Hmm. And they wow. I could not even really tell that they had been worn other than they didn't, I don't know, they weren't in a box. You know, they were just out there. Right. So plenty of good deals like that. And uh, I don't. I wish I would knew which store did that because I would, I would frequent that place. Well, all right. So I have another money-saving one. Okay. And uh, this one actually isn't in the blog post, but you just triggered a memory for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that what I like to do for shoes and clothing, if I can, uh, and I actually haven't done this in a while, but what I used to do is only buy at expos because at like race expos Ah, so you know you go pick up your bib at a big city marathon and there's this expo there are all these vendors and all you know most of the shoe companies and there's always a few big you know running store brands that are there selling clothes and doing other things and they're always really cheap they always have a 30 percent off 35 percent off um discount on on the shoes and on the clothes and you can actually talk to a rep who knows a lot more than probably your regular running shoe guy about the actual shoe. And sometimes they have demo demo shoes that people have worn out during demo runs and stuff like that for, mm-hmm. for sale. So I used to get a lot of my running stuff at, at expos. And then you started a blog and started getting it for free. Exactly. The ultimate <laughs> hack. For the ultimate hack, yeah. Start a blog. Just start a blog. You don't even have to make it good or anything. Just start something and then people will just start shipping you free shoes. <laughs> 
That's right. I actually I haven't done that in a while, but I used to do that. That was that was back in the my days of city marathons. Uh huh. Long long past. Right. Yeah. Never again. Do that. Never again. I like those races. <laughs> All right. Um. So I'll do my food ones. I've got two. Okay. Let's hear. Them. First one is pretty obvious. I think people who who have heard me talk a lot, uh, like on the podcast, would know that I like bringing dates with me when I run. But whenever I have done talks and things like that, people are always really surprised to hear that in the Q&A when they say, what do you bring on your run? Because a lot of like new runners would come to a talk you know, and, and just not not know that much. And they say, what do you run? And they're shocked to find that you can bring that natural food. You don't need to make energy gel. You don't need to buy energy gel. You don't need gummies. Just natural dates, the medjool dates. And uh, that's, uh, you know, I think my, my when I first wrote this, it was – Gummies instead of gels is my is my preference, and I think a lot of people who say I can't stomach gels, what do I do? Gummies are a really nice way to do that. Sure, make sure they're vegan, which is not always clear, but do that. So gummies over gels, but dates over gummies, because and, dates are like gummies, but they're just right. they're just natural and they fit the same amount of carbohydrate in the same space, and there it's glucose gets very very quick into your bloodstream. So and they taste delicious too. Yeah, what were you gonna say? I was just. I don't. I was gonna make a terrible joke <laughs> about how you're talking about the food date and not oh, not no. like a girl. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So my other one uh, is something I've only done a few times, and I don't really know about its merits nutritionally. But I discovered this during my hundred mile. I think I did it a few days before that too. Is running with sunflower seeds in your mouth in the shells? They're salted sunflower seeds. What? So I I played baseball in high school, and I was definitely a bench rider there, which is why I switched to golf. And I got really good at eating sunflower seeds. So, like, baseball players and fans will eat these David sunflower seeds or any any brand of sunflower seeds. Um, And, you know, you can put 10 or 20 of them in your mouth, and it tastes really good and salty. And then you you gradually, over the course of 10 minutes, break them in your mouth still and spit out the shells and eat the seed. During my ultra, I, I realized that like a lot of times I got to the point in races where I wasn't really hungry anymore, but I was craving something salty. So I realized that I could just do this. It would sort of, I don't know, it passes the time frame. Like if you're at a base, because baseball is boring, let's face it. I mean, we like it, but it's a slow sport. And I've just always found, like even when I go to my son's games, I'll buy the sunflower seeds there and eat them. And it's a lot of sodium, I think, but... I don't know. I was concerned about sodium water. I thought I'll just keep having this salty thing, and if it continues to taste good to me, then I'm going to keep doing it. And I just—it was just something to do while I ran. So I guess it's a potential choking hazard, but otherwise, it's a hack. Yeah, I've never—I've never heard you say that before, and it sounds—that sounds interesting. Yeah, I definitely I noticed that uh, later in ultramarathons, I—you know—the last thing I want is a sweet thing. I want something salty. So, mm-hmm. you know, usually I do pretzels, but sunflower seeds. There you go. And you get the fat type stuff, which wouldn't be so good for a marathon, but for an ultra where you're going to be out there a lot longer still. Mm -hmm. So this wouldn't be so much for the end of an ultra, but, you know, good way to get some calories. Just keep them coming. One more food one. I don't really know if it's a hack. All of mine are loosely hacks. (laughs) I'll be honest. I use that title in the blog post because it gets... People click it. People click it and it gets shared a lot. (laughs) Um, my, My other food one is that a lot of people worry a lot about carrying water and carrying food for runs that they don't really need to worry about that. If you're doing less than an hour, really if you're doing less than 90 minutes, then you don't really need to worry about carrying water and food with you. So I guess the hack part would just be to 
quit worrying about water and food until you're doing these really long runs. Because if you're just out, even if it's a hot day, if you're just out for 45 minutes to an hour, then then you don't need to worry about that. Yep, I totally agree with you there. A lot of people try to overcomplicate the whole thing and just think it's this big deal. Right. I think we have this idea from when we're young, probably because we do a lot of more sprinting when we're young. But when I was a kid, it was like you always needed water. Like if you were going to be out like, I don't know, playing soccer with friends or something, Mm -hmm. after like... 15 minutes of that, you need a water break, and you have to get water, right. and you're just dying for water. <laughs> but with running, it's not really like that. Maybe when you first start out, it is because you are not you don't have that aerobic base, and your body is going into that anaerobic zone, and it is hard, and you do need that water. Uh, but like pretty soon, you really don't need it. And this is an issue that I've thought of before because I – so I, I realized a few summers back that I could – I was getting better at train, running without that stuff. And I could go on an hour and a half or two hour run, even a fairly hilly one on a, on a trail that I used to do, and not need that stuff at all. And I'd get back. I'd be really thirsty when I got back. Um, and I realized that I had kind of trained myself to be able to do that, which I think is a good thing. I think it sort of means, particularly with the sugar, that you are training yourself uh, to burn more fat than to be relying on glycogen, which is generally thought to be a good thing. What I wonder, though, is if I could, if I would put the effort into bring water or even a sports drink on that run with me this hour and a half to two hour run if i would put that effort in would i get a better workout in because i could drink that three miles into this hot hilly run and then put a better effort in on the second half of this seven mile run say um is that better than than, i guess seven mile run wouldn't take two hours but is, is that better to get the quality workout in with the help of that nutrition or is it better to kind of be training yourself to not need this stuff and I don't know that there's a good answer to this, but right, right. Um, it's it's an interesting question, and I think I think you could kind of do you could go either way on that, and you could probably, you know, do both, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can do a little bit of both. Not a hacker thing. A hacker would go all the way, one or the other, right? It's true. It's just hacking it's your body. All right. So my last two are are yeah, they're borderline hacks. <laughs> um, one is keep a have a 180 beats per minute song mm. or, or a song that's some multiple of that um, or a factor of that I should say you know 60 or 90 or one that you can line steps up with and that you've done and you can get to that 180 because you're supposed to as we've talked about a lot of times run at roughly 180 steps per minute 3 per second and some songs it's just really hard to do that too because their tempo is totally off from that but I like to have a song on my iPod that is there so that Every run or few runs, I can put that on and know that for three or four minutes, I'm going to be running perfectly in line with that just to kind of keep myself in that zone. Because over time, if I don't do that, I will start to slow down my cadence if I'm not thinking about it. And I used to be always really good at about staying right at it. Nowadays, if I check it, I'm generally in the 170 area probably. I have trouble keeping up with that three per second. So I've started putting one on the iPod. Um, There's a song. The one I always mention is, is a guitar solo song called Cliffs of Dover by Eric Johnson. I think Doug, you mentioned Outcast, right? Hey, yeah, is that what, yeah, is that hey, you? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one that's probably much better known than Clips of Dover, <laughs> <laughs> um, more accessible and easier to to listen to. Um, so that something like that would be good. You can, I mean, you can probably just Google and find all kinds of ideas now. Um, so that's one. My other kind of random one is that you can regulate your steps or your your not your steps. I should say your uh, exertion level by your breathing rather than a heart rate monitor type of thing. So if you get used to, say, taking three steps for every in-breath and two steps for every out-breath, you can start, if that's what you're doing all the time, when you hit a hilly section or something, 
you can suddenly you'll suddenly realize when you've sped up or when your exertion has increased because it's no longer easy to do that. So, for example, another example of this would be if you're running at a really slow pace, and this is something that I got from um, the book Body, Mind, and Sport, which is a really good book. I have a post about breathing that came kind of from the ideas there, all about breathing through your nose. But in that one, he's talking about running uh, something like six steps per in-breath and then six steps per out-breath. So kind of really lengthening your number, increasing your number of steps, lengthening your breath. The goal being to take very few breaths per minute. And you can get down to taking really very few. I don't, I forget what the exact number was, but you know, some, some single digit number of breath per minute. And, uh, there, I've read some things since then that say you shouldn't really, you should make it an odd thing. You should take in say six on the in breath and five on the out so that your feet are actually alternating with your inhales and exhales, because you don't want to be always inhaling or always exhaling on the exact same foot when you first land on it, if that makes sense without going deeper into that. Um, but anyway, you can, this can become your easy pace and your easy pace, which maybe you'll want to one time verify with the heart rate monitor is where you want it to be, but you can figure out how much, how, how steady or how slowly can you breathe at that pace. And then the way to know when you're not wearing that heart rate monitor anymore, and this is a problem because people do the easy runs way too fast. A lot of people do. Um, you can go out without a heart rate monitor. You can keep doing that breathing pattern. If you start speeding up to the point where your run is getting out of that easy zone, then suddenly you're not going to be able to take six steps per, for a breath. And I found it to be a very natural kind of meditative way to know that you were staying in that easy zone. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. And and I read not too long ago Bud Coates's, who's a coach at Runner's World, his book Running on Air, and his his whole training philosophy has to do with breathing and using the breath and regulating the breath, um, both for injury prevention and for things like zones and speeds and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's another good one if you're if you're interested in that. But that's a good one. Good. So that's that's all the hacks that I have. Do you have more hacks done? I think uh, I'm all hacked out. Okay. I think that was a pretty good collection of hacks. It we was. had a few a few randoms in there, a few that arguably hacks. Um, uh, what I want to know is if someone does all of these yeah, then you like we said in the beginning, you don't need to do any other training. This is no. the shortcut to becoming a marathon champion. Yeah. Do all these hacks, don't do any actual work, mm-hmm. and and you're set. The last last week we had the no meat athlete diet plan, right? <laughs> and this week it's the <laughs> no meat athlete, athlete training exactly. plan hack. I love yeah. it. All right, so we're going to shift now to a question. This is something I think we're going to try to be doing more often. Is go to a little Q and A at the end, uh, but first let's talk a little bit about Kalo. This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio was brought to you by Kalo, the makers of the silicone wedding ring. They were nice enough to send Matt and I and our wives a sample, and I wore mine during the Black Mountain Monster 24-hour race. thought it was the perfect ring for that race because when you're out there running for that long and you're sweaty and you're gross, I didn't want to have to worry about falling off in the middle of the night and getting lost in the trail. So I was using the Kalo wedding ring as an alternative to my main wedding ring and it was a perfect option for me during during that type of event doug are you prepared to say that the kayla ring helped you to win that race you know i'm not gonna confirm or deny <laughs> that <laughs> all right kayla's brand new athletics collection rings are stamped with a kettlebell icon to symbolize our passion to keep pushing ourselves harder to be the best we can be in every area of our lives kayla ring started only 15.99 so go to kalo.com that's q-a-l-o.com qalo.com and use the promo code no meat all one word at checkout to get 15% off your purchase. Kalo, we do. And 
you might win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go to our reader question this time. And like I said, we're trying to do this more often, so if you've got a question, get them in. Ideally, through the phone number. Do you have that phone number on hand, Doug? <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, I didn't, but now that you've asked, I have paused the episode and we are coming in. Now, that phone number is 951-666-3281. Or if you like letters more than numbers, it's 951-NO-MEAT-1. There you go. So that is the ideal way to submit a question, the most likely chance of having your question heard on the air. This one, though, is from Beck, also known as Rebecca, calls herself Beck, says, what are your thoughts on an alkaline diet, Matt? Um, so good question, Beck. And I think I think the alkaline diet is interesting. If you listen to our last episode, we talked about diet guidelines. And I tend to think that something like that is a little bit too too rules-oriented. I don't, I don't like really numbers and food and a lot of alkaline stuff you know there's all the different alkalinities and there's testing your pee and stuff to making sure you're alkaline and i think that's just getting too focused on the food um something interesting about the alkaline diet is that the foods that they that alkaline dieters recommend generally are green vegetables almost all green vegetables are are alkaline uh, as opposed to being acid and i don't want to go into the whole description for those who don't know if you are interested in this just look up acid alkaline diet or maybe alkaline diet. Um, and animal products are almost entirely acidic. Um, fruits, the sugary fruits are more kind of in, they're either or. Some fruits are alkaline, some are acid. Um, just it, it, what was interesting to me was that most of the foods that we generally think of as healthy, people who are into this plant-based diet, whole foods diet, um, the foods that we generally think of as healthy are more alkaline than acid the foods that we think of as unhealthy tend to be acidic so it's it just sort of seems to me that you could do the same thing you could say i'm going to eat whole foods i'm going to eat lots of fruits and vegetables and i'm going to make them plant-based you can do the same thing and i bet 90 percent of your foods are going to be the same as an alkaline dieters would when with alkaline diet you get people starting to put different salts in their water uh people mixing vinegar with their water to turn it alkaline and i feel like that is just kind of uh, and by the way, I know that's weird. Vinegar, acid is, is a weird <laughs> thing. But and, and this is another one of these things that I don't love. Like there are these weird descriptions that lemon juice and lime juice and balsamic vinegar and apple cider vinegar leave an alkaline ash in your body. That it, the effect is alkaline, but even though they're acids, but all the other vinegars are bad for you. Uh, you know that stuff just gets to be too much for me. That you're that you're putting stuff in your water to change it. I feel like eat eat mostly whole foods, eat them plant based, and uh, you're gonna get the benefits of an alkaline diet. I just don't really think that our bodies know alkaline from acid, that, or, or that you know cavemen type people who who we've evolved from that they were were peeing on litmus paper or anything like that. So I don't know. I think it's just it's just going a little bit too far, but. I don't think it's a terrible diet. I think it, I think it could be fine. It's just probably it's just more restrictive than I'd want to get with food. But if you did want to put stuff in your water, say to <laughs> infuse uh, it infuse it, yeah, taste, <laughs> yeah, then that's okay, right? That's certainly okay. What's what's the name of your product there, though? Do you do you know what it is? I, I don't. No idea. No okay. idea. <laughs> okay. Good. I think the beer one is called the Randall. The Randall. Yeah, that they use for infusing beers. We you should, should buy a we Randall. buy a Randall. And just infuse water with lemon juice? No, we should get a Randall for for, knowing for our beer. Video. Yeah. We should do that. Or you put beer, dump beer into your thing. Yeah, and infuse I it think you could you like. do that. You know, if you were going to drink it that night, I think if you 
want it to infuse it for a few hours, um, you know, something like that. Yeah, I guess it'd be weird. Probably go flat. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. Well, <laughs> next time. Next time. Okay. <laughs> All right, good. Well, I'm looking forward to your story next episode, Doug. Uh, they've been delightful. I'm good. That you open each episode with a story. So I hope we can keep that up. Uh, like I said, keep the questions coming. It's fun to answer one at the end. And uh, thank you for listening. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye.